0: strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles oh, what a hit. he got jacked this is the big red Ray,
1: presented by santan ford in gilbert
2: murray's gonna score touchdown then zone for Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch larry legend does it again
0: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over.
1: Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley.
0: It doesn't get any better
2: than that. Unleash the fury.
3: Last we left you, Ron Wolfley.
0: Yeah, Paulie.
3: The Mars rover. Had just touched down. In fact, the words were touchdown confirmed.
0: Not this again, Paul.
3: In the interim, Wolf, we've decided here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford, to employ our own rover of sorts. Because we know how you're into the salacious and the sensational. Stop Uh, it, Paul. Your middle initial is TMZ. We know that, Wolf, about you. And with that in mind, we've sent our rover into the backyards of other NFL teams, gone over the block wall, as we like to say.
0: Where is this segue going, Paul? And if you haven't noticed, Wolf,
3: for a complete lack of games right now in the NFL, we haven't even started the league year. Heck, the combine has even been canceled. There's a lot of drama out there (laughs) in
0: the NFL. There is some drama. It's some quarterback drama, too, I might add, Paul. I mean, there's some
3: great words that you see splash across headlines these days. Denials and desertion, or the word divide in Seattle. How about the Niners saying Jimmy G is their guy, and yet nobody really believes them?
0: (laughs) John Lynch has got to say, Paulie, you know what? No, I really believe that. He's going to be our quarterback. He he follows it up and qualifies it by saying, no, I really believe that.
3: (laughs) Even uses the words no doubt, except Uh, there's a lot of doubt.
0: Yes, there is doubt.
3: How about the Texans saying, you know what, Um, the power grid may have failed, but we're not going to commit the epic fail of trading Deshaun Watson, right? Yet there's Deshaun Watson telling the new head coach, I'm not playing for the Houston Texans. And then, of course, there was a headline earlier today, and we'll get into this at the end of the show, but how about this for a headline when it reads, The Athletic in Seattle, what is driving the rift between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, quote, power and control? Now, that's something to dig your teeth into. You Are know, you kidding
0: me? There's a debate going on in the National Football League right now, Polly, the football universe, basically. The debate is how much... Say, should a franchise quarterback actually have? It's going on with Deshaun Watson and it's going on, I believe, with Russell Wilson right now. How much say should a franchise quarterback have? I listen for the longest time, a general manager had to have complete autonomy for the most part, right? He was the guy to me. I will continue to say 10 years ago and before that, the general manager was the most important hire an owner was going to make, Paulie, because that general manager he was going to draft, he was going to assemble the roster. He was going to go out and sign free agents. He was going to hire coaches, a couple of coaches probably, head coaches. He'd get that opportunity. He was the most important guy you had in your organization. And right now, that is changing a little bit. That general manager has got to be able to tap into a little bit of counsel with that franchise quarterback.
3: Well, what have we been saying for a good decade? No QB, no chance. That's right maybe the time has just come where quarterbacks have had that epiphany that guess what i am more valuable than the gm a gm is replaceable a franchise quarterback for the most part is not so it, it's like that anonymous coach that's quoted in that athletic story about russell wilson and the seahawks Pete carroll and john schneider and the quote from the anonymous coaches it's a great story there's a lot there money greed power
0: <laughs> yeah. and control end quote no doubt about it paulie and we all know a franchise quarterback in the nfl is the hardest human being to find
3: it's almost like sweeps month has hit the nfl if you will you know that's the way it works and
0: in local tv you're such a television guy paul
3: maybe it's a ratings game we'll get into that with darren erbman a little bit later but first we're going to go into the offensive line sean kugler met the media today that is next on the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert
2: Like the improvement between year one and year two with Cliff, I look at uh, the changes that, that Cliff has made with his coaching staff are gonna be big improvements. Our run game was a strength early in the
4: season and promoting Sean Cooler to our run game coordinator. I think we're gonna continue to improve. I think Cliff's done a fantastic job this off season. He and I sat down multiple times, talked about the things that went right, the things that went wrong, ways that we can fix it, and the possible solutions moving forward. And I'm I'm very confident that uh, the things that were negative issues this year with our football team will get corrected.
3: Soul Scouting. That's what it's all about in the offseason. You heard from Steve Kime, Michael Fidwell, the GM and owner, respectively, both with Doug and Wolf this week. Last week on Decision Makers Week, Newsmakers Week, I guess, is what you guys officially call it. I always call it the Decision Makers Week on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. And
0: and that's those why guys, you were always wrong, Paul. Well,
3: you know, you guys never consulted me on the uh, the moniker. And so, you know, I, I just went rogue on you guys. I always thought that, you know, we could have improved on that. But uh, once again, no one listens to me. So Polly,
0: where go. are you, by the way, Polly, in the morning? I mean, where did you go on, Paulie? I'm well, missing you badly, as you first, know. First off, I'm sleeping in. I'll tell you that okay. much after oh, 20 years. Oh, you rub it in. Yeah. Uh, for the most
3: part. Uh, but as for what you heard right there wolf if you're gonna talk and you heard michael bidwell say it did he not and we're gonna get into this a little bit with darren urban momentarily on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert the run game and he mentioned 2019 2020 well what does the second half of 2019 have in common with the first half of 2020 the run game was in gear and the offense was firing on all cylinders right
0: yeah, there's no doubt in 2019, it was that second half of the season when Kenyon Drake really took off. It got him a transition tag is what it did, Bully. Mm-hmm. That second half of 2019, when they started to use a lot more two tight ends, even went to three tight ends at the end of the year, if you'll remember back to 2019, Bully. This was this was an offense that was in a, a state of flux, and it was fluxing more towards the destructive nature of the game of football as opposed to the deceptive nature of the game of football. And Kenyon Drake, as I said, really got off in that second half of 2019 and it got him that transition tag. This is something I think the Arizona Cardinals need to get back to a little bit more, and I'm hoping that's what they do.
3: I'll just throw this one stat at you. I'm not going to go heavy on the numbers, but but you tell me how significant this is because this is from my note sheet going into the final game of the season at the Rams, the playoffs hanging in the balance, week 17, and here's a stat going into the final game of the season. Over the first 9 games of the year, the Arizona Cardinals averaged 169 yards rushing per game. They were 6 and 3 at that point. Yes. Over the next 6 games, they averaged just over 111 yards per rushing as a team. They went 2 and 4 and then in the finale they had 18 carries as an offense for just 48 yards rushing at the Rams. They finished two and five over the last seven games and missed the playoffs. Yes, and, and to me, That's the clear evidence is, is it not, Paulie? It's just stark. Is it not? Yes. And so you realize, okay, the capability is there. What happened? What exactly do the Cardinals have to do to adjust to the adjustment, if you will? Whatever defenses were doing, it was effective to make the Cardinals one-dimensional to a large degree and take away the balance in the offense. And Sean Kugler was asked about that in a roundabout way today when he met the media.
4: I think uh, we do have the tools in place to be an outstanding offense. Coach Kingsbury, uh, you know, he is very creative. And, you know, the offense works when it's rolling. And uh, we just got to make sure that everybody's in position and doing their job, so we are rolling. There you go.
3: So give me your thoughts on Sean Coogler and, you know, how much tweaking does it require? Is it philosophy? Is it personnel? To what degree is it both? Give me your
0: thoughts. Yeah, you know, Paulie, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things right here. Listen, first of all, the fact that Coogs got promoted to run game coordinator, I'm a big fan of that because, as the old saying goes, uh, more, more say, more pay, right? And more yep. pay, more say. And I think that's exactly what he's going to have. Now, listen, was he the run game coordinator for the most part last year? Yes, he was. But we've talked about this this off season. It's really important that you get that title because you do get paid more. And when you get paid more, you get to say a lot more as well. I think there's some changes maybe on the horizon. And we'll see what happens here in 2021. But I'd love to see him, Paulie, put more emphasis on just whipping the dude in front of you. Raise the bars, so to speak, across the board and, you know what, start trashing dudes as opposed to tricking dudes. Does that make sense? And,
3: and, and you know, we talked about that with Rob Fredrickson a couple of weeks ago, did we not? You know, more the power run game, the straight ahead run game, Kyler under center yes. a little more often. More
0: north-south, Paulie. Yeah.
3: And it's interesting because Sean Kugler during the beginning of the press conference today, he was asked about, you know, the philosophy of defenses it, it, taking away Kyler Murray. Because that seemed to be the emphasis of defenses about midway through the season. That was the big adjustment on those RPOs. And he said, look, you know what, if they're going to do that, you got to play it perfectly or Kyler's going to pull it and run it. And that's where he's at his most dangerous. But he also said our offense is built around Kyler's mobility and him making the proper reads. And so if the defense takes that away, theoretically that should open up Mm. other things, but that didn't happen often enough, obviously, in the second half of the season.
0: No, and Paulie, to your point in regard to Kyler Murray being the center, the epicenter of the Cards rushing attack, I think they need to adopt a different strategy that acknowledges the only thing more powerful than running Kyler Murray is the promise of running Kyler Murray. I would like to see them go to a more physical put the onus on the offensive line destruction as opposed to deception
3: and we'll get into the offensive line what exactly is happening at the center position what is happening at right tackle what else do the Cardinals need on offense we'll talk to Cardinals insider Darren Urban next from azcardinals.com it is the big red rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert we are Santan Ford
0: bada bing bada boom great protection for kyler murray the pocket has been really really sound this is where you gotta feed the butt guts now baby you gotta let those butt guts line up and eat get a little greasy they like it greasy
2: shotgun snap and a handoff to drake up the middle he's in for the touchdown kenyon drake from a yard out cardinals had the lead you
0: had the butt guts come off the ball Get movement at the point, baby.
2: I try the
3: bada-bing, bada-boom, but I I can't quite pull that off as well as a guy from Buffalo. I don't know. There's just something about that. When you're from the Silicon Valley, it doesn't really work quite to the same point. That's
0: that's (laughs) right. Come on now you out there at Berkeley trying to say that. Knock it off, Paul. I
3: I need some help here. That's why we're going to bring in on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford. And Gilbert, we are Santan Ford, Cardinals insider, Darren Urban. And Darren, good evening. We'll get into the O-line momentarily. All the butt-gut news you can use momentarily. But uh, first off, I saw about 24 hours ago you tweeted out a picture of Larry Fitzgerald courtside. Son's minority owner, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, courtside. Uh, How about attaching some sort of update to that tweet, Darren? Can you please bring (laughs) us some news on Larry's future beyond him just signing something for a fan courtside?
5: Paul, we have had this discussion many a time, and clearly nobody knows what the heck's going on, and Larry is just going to do it on his own schedule, and your guess is as good as mine. I wish I had an update. Uh, I wish I had an update for many reasons, not the least of which is I'd like to not have to worry about it 24 hours a day, but uh, we are where we are.
0: Derb, can we agree, though, that the longer this goes on, the better the odds are that he comes back?
5: So here's how I'm kind of looking at it, Wolf. I mean, I I don't disagree with you that it's still a possibility. Um, The question becomes, why would it be? I, I, I find it hard to believe that it's just a question maybe of of just um, whether he wants to play or not. So maybe there's some other stuff involved that mm-hmm. he's got a mull. Uh, I mean, we've, we've all talked about the contract many times, and it would be hard to believe that he the Cardinals would bring him back for the $11 million he's been playing for the last few years. So, you know, maybe they're saying, okay, if you do come back, it would be this amount of money. Does Larry really want to do that? I, I do think that ultimately – He's going to have to make a decision before we get to free agency because I just Mm -hmm. don't think in how tight this salary cap world is going to be that they can afford to have him say – after the fact, okay, now I'm going to come back. I, I don't know if that would work.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm sticking to my latest theory, advanced uh, initially on the Big Red Rage last week and then furthered on Cardinals Underground, the podcast this week. And that is to the point where Larry not only is coming back, but since there's, there's going to be the advent of super teams, according to Chase Edmonds, and all these one year deals, the competitive advantage Larry has and no other player has in the NFL is his contact list. So Larry will come back and then he'll <laughs> announce it with about a half dozen other signings that he has generated. And so, boom, he's going to orchestrate this whole super team LeBron style for the Arizona Cardinals in 2021. Who's with me on that?
0: Paulie, that is a hot take right there, honestly. What do you do? Do I mean, have you locked yourself in the closet to come up with these hot takes? Is that what it is?
3: I've been watching too much of uh, you know some of the 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 TV too much of first take and Stephen A Smith and uh, some of the other no and Skip Bayless. Uh, it's all about you, the offensive line, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert and Darren. Some initial takeaways from what Sean Kugler had to say, the old line coach and run game coordinator today.
5: Well, I know for me uh, the the first one and and. You know, I'm I'm going to say that I asked the question, so maybe that's why I'm thinking of it first. But I thought he was a, a fairly a, – for a coach in the offseason, you're rarely going to get anything really concrete. Uh, but for him to talk about the center position the way he did, yep. that, you know, both Lamont Galliard and Mason Cole were up and down and that the position needs to take a step up uh, and that they – very well could bring in some competition. I thought that was fairly intriguing to me. I mean, we I think we've all talked about where Mason Cole was and we saw Lamont Gallier get some snaps and some work in a couple of games last year. Um, but I, I think they would like to get a little bit better on the offensive line. I think center makes a lot of sense, and it's going to be interesting to see what direction that goes in. So that that's the first thing that I thought of.
0: So what do you think they might do if, in fact, they were to bring somebody from the outside in, somebody they thought, oh, I don't know, like a Corey Lindsley. Wouldn't that be awesome if that were the case right there? But what do you think they'd do with Mason Cole?
5: Well, I mean, you got a guy who can play guard. He, he has played when he hasn't played center. He's played guard uh, and done it. And now all of a sudden you've got another swing person Uh, that that gives you some depth. And, you know, that was a big deal for them last year was talking about, okay, not only do we have our starters, and they stayed fairly healthy, which was good, but we've also got depth that if somebody gets hurt, we feel a little bit more comfortable plugging them in than maybe they were in 2017 and 2018, Uh, you know, in that situation when they had their offensive line injury. So, um, you know, I know the Packers center, like you mentioned, has been out, his name's been out there, but again, how much are you willing to pay for some of this right. stuff and where does that fit with everything else? I mean, if Patrick Peterson ends up leaving, you're you're basically looking, because I think Byron Murphy still works best as a slot cornerback, you're basically looking to replace both your starting cornerbacks. And, yeah, maybe one's in the draft, but you're going to have to go get one somewhere. And I, I just think with all the different things they have, I don't know if they can necessarily afford to spend there. I could be wrong, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about that.
3: Well, did you guys see what Corey Lindsley told Sirius NFL Radio today, quote, it looks like all signs point to snapping the ball somewhere else next year. End quote Corey Lindsley. So he's resigned to leaving Green Bay. And we'll see. We know Sean Kugler today called it an open competition at center. I just got the sense he was a little salty. I, I mean for, for February, he definitely wasn't in a very good mood. Now he wasn't he wasn't cross with the media or anything or short. But there wasn't a smile cracked. He mentioned how they were the most penalized team in the NFL. And the O-line was a big part of that. And there were a lot of pre-snap penalties by the O-line. I mean, he had his game face on in a lot of ways to me in February. And then he was asked about Josh Jones' rookie year and how he might play into things in year two for the kid out of Houston.
4: He got his feet wet last year, but he didn't have to be pushed into a starting role. I thought that was good. I thought he handled his rookie year uh, extremely well, not only on the field, but in the room. I saw a lot of growth. We're very excited about him. He offers position flexibility. He could play tackle. He could play guard. We'll see where that goes as we get into the off-season.
3: Is that viable, Wolf? C- could he be a guard, yeah, Josh no, Jones?
4: No,
0: absolutely. You're going to get your five best out on the field, and in any way you have to do that, you're going to go ahead and do it. And if you don't feel that Josh Jones is ready to play on the edge out there, well, you know what? You move him inside. And listen, this guy has got an awful lot of talent. There's no doubt about it. We all were jacked up when the Arizona Cardinals were able to get him in the third round. There are many people who believe that he was a. Uh, a high second-round pick, maybe even a late first-round pick in some mock drafts, and to get a guy of that quality is significant. Listen, the OTAs and not having the OTAs and the truncated uh, preseason and no preseason games, are you kidding me? It was a disaster for Josh Jones not to be able to develop like that. Uh, an offensive lineman, the big jump from college college, to the pro game is beyond significant and he was trying to do what i consider to be the impossible
3: darren what do you make of right tackle how wide open is it right now
5: oh i'm i think it's pretty wide open what's going to be interesting to me i think they really like the job kelvin beecham did on the field and everybody i talked to obviously we didn't get to spend a lot of time in the locker room paul but everybody i talked to says he's a major factor as a leader in the locker room so i think In a lot of ways, it would make sense to bring him back. But the question is, how much would you be willing to spend on him? Could he get more money elsewhere after the year he had? I mean, I don't think he's going to break the bank or anything. But again, this is all going to be very uh, compact in terms of all these different contracts. And, uh, you know, I I think I, I could see a scenario where he comes back, plays right tackle. And when you talk about Josh Jones playing guard, I mean, they are going to need a, a right guard potentially. I think you J.R. Sweezy's probably gonna leave as a as a free agent and then, you know, is Justin Murray stay there? Do you do you maybe use Jones? What do you do with Marcus Gilbert who whose contract told while he opted out last season, so he still has a year left on his deal. I think there's a lot of things to be sorted out and that's why it would be so nice if they were able to get some OTAs this offseason. season and right now it's it's kinda up in the air. I'm not, not super uh, optimistic about it, but you never know. Maybe they'll decide, okay, the regular workouts, we're going to stay all virtual, but you will be able to get together seven to ten times for some on-field stuff if you go through the proper protocols.
3: And I think we all agree, guys. DJ Humphrey's had a Pro Bowl-caliber season, of left tackle. What about left guard? We know Justin Pugh had a great season by the assessment of Sean Kugler, but he's got a big number attached to his name and would seem to be a candidate... To get trimmed and be a salary cap casualty what do you think of that darren i
5: i think it's i think those kinds of things are on the table especially again if you start talking about hey josh jones could potentially play guard and oh by the way they you know they they st- still have justin murray uh and they you know got some other possibilities mason cole maybe or lamont galliard even although i think he makes more sense at center so I think they're going to have to figure some stuff out. What we don't really know yet is how they might address where they are with the cap room. Mm-hmm. And from the from the numbers that I've seen out there, um, they're, they ballpark are going to have around 13 to 15 million dollars in cap space, which is an okay number. But when you think about how many people they they could be losing, because none of that includes the. I mean, that already wipes out. Patrick Peterson's number and Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick and Larry Fitzgerald and Kenyon Drake. So you're talking about having to replace those guys potentially if they leave. So there's, there's a lot to be figured out and I don't know what direction they might do. And, and, you know, does Justin Pugh take a pay cut or could they cut him or do they just run with him saying, hey, he had a really good year. We're just going to live with his number because it makes sense and and we'll find that space elsewhere. I, that's still to be determined. And I I do think there's an outside chance they could make some moves as we get closer to uh, the new league year.
0: I think it really comes down to Justin Pugh as well in his satiety level with the Arizona Cardinals, how much he likes being here in Phoenix, because these are the decisions a lot of guys in the NFL are going to have to make, one-year decisions, where you're going to have to say, listen, I'm going to take a haircut on this because of the salary cap situation being what it is. How much do I like the fit? How much do I like the city? How much do I like being here? Am I going to live here when I'm done? A lot of things come into play on that, but I can see Justin Pugh taking a haircut as well.
3: Well, we know Sean Kugler had thoughts on how the O-line can get better. He also said as an offense, the Cardinals need to get more consistent. That flashes of greatness in offense didn't get them where they wanted to be. So how? We'll get into that next with Darren Urban on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
2: Shotgun snap to Murray, steps up and takes off. Far side of the 20, got room at the 10, cuts right to the five, jukes the defender, and scores! Touchdown, Kyler Murray, a 22-yard run, his second rushing touchdown of the game. That defender is in multiple pieces at the five-yard line <laughs> as he tried to break down and make that play, and Kyler broke him down.
0: Went right through Washington secondary like butter in the microwave, baby. I see an arm, a
2: foot, a piece of the torso on the ground there of the Washington defender as he got shook by Kyler Murray. Boy, that was spectacular! <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! It's just
3: it's
1: beautiful.
2: It's unfair.
3: That's in that Week Two win against Washington, 30 to 15, Cardinals led 27-3 in that game, and Kyler Murray had a pair of rushing touchdowns, 14 and 21 yards. Right there, and uh, yeah, that was a Cardinals 2-0 start and-, and Kyler in year two. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Cardinals insider Darren Urban. And Darren, I- I've tried to tell Wolf that I see Kyler's third year being a lot like what Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen did in their third year. Taking the Cardinals to the postseason, I think, is going to be the ultimate gauge and I just think the way those guys had pretty good starts to their NFL careers, although they didn't make a Pro Bowl like Kyler did in year two, I just think that year three is going to be a huge launching pad for Kyler and his play and as a leader. What do you make of that statement?
5: I mean, I hope so. It's funny. I, I, I have to smile a little bit because – at this time last year, what we were saying was, I think year two is going to be that year for yeah. Kyler Murray because that's when Patrick Mahomes made his big jump and Lamar Jackson made his big jump. I think year two is going to be it for Kyler Murray, and then he obviously played very well this year, uh, a good chunk of the times. But there are other times when you wish he would have been a little bit better. And now we're kind of like, okay, maybe it's year three. I, I do think this. I think that uh, I think there's going to be a lot of, for lack of a better term, pressure. On Kyler next year, on Cliff Kingsbury, and, and just how this team is going to go. There's an assumption there was once once they got to five and two, and even six and three, I think there was an assumption they were going to make the playoffs. And we all know that it was a massive disappointment they mm-hmm. didn't. If they if they don't make the playoffs next year, uh, and I, there are ways where they could not make the playoffs and play good football, and, and there's nuance there, but for the most part, if they don't make the playoffs next year, I mean, what are we talking about here? What are we? What are we doing? And I think Kyler Murray taking that kind of step that you're saying, Paul, is going to be a big part of it. But I do think it, it goes beyond just him. I mean, I do think they need some offensive skill piece, pieces around him to help him get there.
3: And, and, you know, with that in mind, Sean Coogler was asked about the offense as a whole in general and beyond Kyler and you know what can they do, what should they do based on what they learned in year two with Kyler under center.
4: They're going to try to take away Kyler because he's such a dynamic player. And, you know, there is, you know, standards of different ways of trying to do that, but it also opens up other things as well. So, uh, you know, sometimes they have to play it perfectly or or Kyler's going to pull it. And when he pulls it, he's very dangerous. And if they do the things to take it away, you know, we just need to be efficient enough in other areas uh, where we can handle that and, and excel
3: theoretically, Wolf, if they're going to put all that attention on Kyler, which seemingly happened in the second half of the season, the Cardinals should be able to make them pay In other ways, by exploiting that defense in other areas, right?
0: Yeah, Paulie, for me, it's all about running the ball in a north south fashion. And uh, it's the one thing I think they kind of got away from last year. It's the one thing I think when I go all the way back to 2019 that really made Kyler's rookie year as special as it was the fact that they could run the ball in between the tackles in a north south way. In the second half of 2019, with 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, they really did a good job of running north and south what's happening right now is you've got defensive edges whether it's a defensive end or whether it's an outside linebacker you got the edges right now and they're not going to let kyler run the ball they're not going to let that happen so what do they do they stand there on the edge and they force him to hand that ball off and there's a lot of people right now that are working on a defender actually trying to do both to force that now it hasn't worked great it's the reason why the zone read is what it is but there's a lot of things that an edge guy can actually do to confuse a quarterback as well all he's got to do is cross over and act like he's going to take one step down the line of scrimmage and then stop and suddenly the quarterback was reading him to close and takes the ball out and it's a it's a tough proposition you see teams doing this to Kyler Murray on the edge they are defending Kyler Murray which means hey listen just hand the ball off and run it in a north south way run it well and you'll gain yards
3: Darren Sean Coogler the fact that you know he got the promotion and the title in the offseason okay is it really just about that or do you think that signals a different direction for this offense
5: well, he certainly wasn't going to go there today. He was asked specifically about that, and he basically said, there's really going to be nothing different. He just has a new title. And I had a feeling that something like that would happen if, if he was asked. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of difference. Everything I understood about what they were doing already, Sean Coogler had a huge part in their run game in the first place. And, in fact, Cliff Kingsbury has said that multiple times. So do I think it's going to be a lot different? I I I don't think the offense per se is going to be a, a lot different. Again, you know, I go back to, like, what kind of personnel are we talking about having? Are they going to bring back King and Drake again, or are they going to go and have a bigger back, uh, which changes the dynamic a little bit Man, if you have that. Chase Edmonds or a bigger back. You know? I would love and, that,
0: date. What's that? I would love that, honestly, if they I'm went sure with, a, with a bigger back and hammer the ball in between the tackles right now. I, that, to me, the physicality, I think, is where they can improve the most. What
3: would that bigger well, I, back do for the well, offense, though? Well, for real quick, I mean, just football 101, what would that do that perhaps a Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds can't well, do? Well, once
0: physically? again, you've got guys on the edge, Paul, that are trying to force Kyler Murray to hand the ball off. So good, hand the ball off and let somebody rip it for four yards. Have somebody come off the ball. You've got to change the mentality, I think, of what we saw last year. I didn't think they ran the ball as well as they did in 2019. That was the difference. I know in the first nine games of the season, it looked like they were. There's no doubt about it. But teams figured out the Arizona Cardinals and their rushing attack in the second half of the season. Can we agree on that?
5: Yep. And that's yeah, why I, I, I would totally agree on that.
3: And that's why I threw the question out, Darren. Um, okay, are these a few tweaks or do they need a different direction, a new philosophy of sorts on offense? That, I come back to my question. I think that is the question in the offseason for the offense.
5: Well, I, I guess, and I would defer to Wolf in terms of the actual analysis here. There's, there's a couple things. One, I do think they need another pass catcher that would That would make their passing game a little bit more dynamic than it was with basically DeAndre Hopkins and then some other pieces that weren't doing as well as they wanted to, but let let's go back to two years i mean and and again, Wolf can answer this question what with what they were they weren't running the ball as well last year a lot of the time when it wasn't Kyler as they were in 2019. Mm. But were they doing things differently offensively? I don't think they really were. I think they were just not doing it well. So that tells me the offense wasn't the issue as much as the execution because if they were running basically the same offense and just not getting the same production, I mean, because we, we saw down the stretch in 2019 that running game looked pretty good.
0: Yeah, you. Know, it's so weird, too, because Kenyon Drake, would you say he was productive, D? There's no doubt about it he was productive. 955 yards, he was 45 yards short of 1,000 yards rushing. He had 10 touchdowns as well. He was productive, but when you go back and watch the tape, I think he could have been more productive. Does that make sense? Even his mom
3: at one point in the season. Remember, he told the story his mom said he was running laterally, and he needed to go north-south. Yeah. So, so yes, I, I think, and even after wins through the first half of the season, how many times did Kyler say, well, we left a lot out there? Yeah. And, and and so, yes, that was your takeaway, that even though they were winning, even though they were seemingly averaging close to 30 points a game in those first nine games, the offense was far from flawless. I mean, there was a lot that they left it out on that Kyler. gridiron.
0: It was Kyler. It was Kyler Murray, and it was Kyler running the ball an awful lot, and then team said, you know what, we're not going to let him do that. We're not going to let Kyler Murray beat us on this zone read. We're not going to do that. We're not going to let Kyler Murray uh, run the ball on an RPO or hand the ball off on an RPO. We're going to force him to actually throw it, and you can do that. That's the one thing about uh, defense. If, in fact, you want to dictate to the offense... When you run RPOs and you run the zone read, a defense can dictate what happens to the offense, especially in rundown situation. You so if you want
3: as we as we as we wrap with Darren Urban here, Wolf, if you want to know what it's like to be a Cardinals insider, uh, Darren, to what degree are you following social media twenty four seven in anticipation of some sort of indication from Larry Fitzgerald?
5: I don't know if I'm necessarily following it, but I got more notifications on Twitter, different Twitter people than I normally would. Let's put it that way.
3: Okay. All right. Hey, just, uh, you know, I'm just saying, you don't really start your off season until Larry makes his decision, I guess is, is what <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm saying. So. I love
0: your stuff, Darren. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Wolf. All right.
3: There you go, Darren Urban. Keep up the good work at azcardinals.com and beyond. We continue with the Big
2: Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Garoppolo out of shotgun, McKinnon in the backfield with him, Garoppolo has the ball, makes the handoff, stands in the pocket, pumps, and in trouble, backs up, still has the ball, and then he's finally wrapped up and sacked by Chandler Jones. Are you planning on cutting Chandler Jones?
4: I'll reject that.
3: There you go. That was pretty definitive Newsmakers Week. I'll get it right. Doug and Wolf, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports. Doug with a question, and Steve Kime with a pretty concrete answer on the future of Chandler Jones. As there's been speculation out there, Ron Wolfley, as you guys discussed with the Cardinals GM, it is a big red rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Special thanks to Darren Urban, Cardinals insider. But when it comes to Chandler Jones and the fact that he missed most of last season and he's coming back this season, with 20 plus million due him on his final year of his contract. I guess that does make him a target of speculation, but to assume that makes him a salary cap casualty, well, Steve Kimes kind of shut that down.
0: Yeah, you know, and rightfully so, I would say. It's a bicep tear, of course, that he's coming back from. And that's great because you don't want it to be something with his lower extremities, Paulie, like a like an Achilles or an ACL or something like that, right? You'd rather see it be an upper body injury like what he suffered rather than something with his lower body. That's so critical for an edge rusher.
3: Especially at his age, right? The dreaded 30-plus yes. And then there's always this speculation, and rightfully so. Is it really a one-year injury, or is it going to take him two years to come back if it's a knee or an Achilles? So, look, if Paulie Pencilneck can come back from a recent bicep tear, you know Chandler Jones can. So I think we're all looking forward to that. Well, that
0: was a strain. It was not a tear.
3: The question is, and I'll show you the scar to prove it, Ron Wolfley. The question becomes, <laughs> are they going to get an, a contract extension done? and 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 bring his cap number down that might be one way to work it and either way who are they going to get to be his bookend pass rusher is son yeah. reddick still going to be here marcus golden i mean how critical is that
0: paulie this is something that you and i have ruminated about uh, the last couple of weeks but listen you're looking at your edge and you're looking at your corner position. Would you say that's important, that combination, once again, right, for a defense in the National Football League in the year 2021 of our Lord? I can tell you right now, the edge in the corner, <laughs> that's kind of important right there. And the Cardinals have question marks at the edge and the corner. And that's, I'm sure, something that Steve Keim and his staff are going to address. Uh,
3: how about Hassan Redick on a tag? The tag window open this week. How it's would the you Fran- feel
0: about that, Paulie? How you would you what? feel if you got the transition tag? I,
3: I think it might make a lot of sense. Obviously, it's tough when it comes to the numbers and the salary cap being reduced to 180 million or so. We'll see the the final number, but you want to see what exactly you have after year two at that position for mm-hmm. Hassan Reddick, right? I mm-hmm. mean, he proved himself, but it was on such a limited sample size. You want to get a a sense, okay, is this for real? And if he comes back on a one-year deal and he's just as motivated as he was this year... Then you get a true sense as to whether he has staying power as an edge rusher, especially at age 26. You want to know: Can I invest in this guy long term?
0: Yeah, no, Paulie. I I would consider using the transition tag on Hassan Reddick. Can you give us one more? Can you do it one more year? You got. If you had Hassan Reddick and you had Chandler Jones out there, boy, you'd feel pretty good about the edge, especially if somehow, some way, you could still bring back the junkyard dog, Marcus Golden, is a guy that would play more. And rundown situations, maybe. A guy coming off the edge who you know he's going to give you everything he's got. A good rotation guy to be able to come in and play and be a professional right there. I would love to see them do that and somehow, someway, still be able to bring back Pat P. And I'm worried about that one. Because Pat P, to me, I, I think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number one, with Todd Bowles, BA, and maybe giving them a home count, hometown discount, so to speak. And then the Kansas City Chiefs as well, Paulie, with Tyron Matthew there. Tyron Matthew has got great clout inside that organization. Andy Reid respects him greatly. And we know the friendship, the brotherhood, if you will, between Tyron Matthew and Pat P. I mean, look, uh,
3: Pat P has had better seasons, obviously, and he was the most penalized defensive player in the league. We get that. But where is the Cardinals' defense without Patrick Peterson at corner on the depth chart? Yeah. I mean, to Darren's point earlier, they would need two starting corners at that point. Yeah. and you don't know who's going to be there at number 16 a lot of mock drafts have the three big corners who are worthy of that selection already being gone before the cardinals select and select in the middle of the first round so to your point earlier about the importance of edge rusher and corner remember what steve keim always says in the first round there are four positions that are most definitely worthy quarterback left tackle edge rusher and cornerback mm-hmm. and so if you can maybe solve The edge rusher with a tag on son Reddick and Chandler Jones is coming back. I think that clears the way for the Cardinals to target corner in round one. We'll wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage next.
1: Hey, Seattle. We got a deal.
2: (laughs) Go Hawks.
1: Go Hawks. I'm going to see y'all in the morning. Good night. Time for y'all go to bed. Finally, you can
3: go to sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See y'all in the morning.
3: That's reminiscent of a Saturday night Live skit, is it not?
0: Totally.
3: Except that's not the ladies' man. That's Russell Wilson and Ciara from the master bedroom around midnight of the evening where he signed on the line that is dotted to become the highest-paid player in the NFL when he inked his contract. And then our Jim Omohundro added the background music, which is titled, <laughs> by the way, Smokestacks of Sacks. That's the music bed right there, just Paul, to let you know.
0: Paulie, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of it all, where Russell Wilson did stuff that I think is out of character, or at least my my perception of Russell Wilson. That's where it started, where he was doing things differently. Let's put it that way. Well. When you look
3: at the tweet by Adam Schefter, and we're wrapping up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, and we're looking over the block wall into the Seahawks' backyard, and how can you not right now? When you saw that in-depth article out of The Athletic detailing the dysfunction and the divide was the word they used between Russell Wilson and the organization, and then Adam Schefter tweeted out that the four teams he would be willing to waive his no-trade clause to would be Dallas, Vegas, Chicago, and New Orleans. So, Wolf, to your point, I mean, those are all big-time media markets, a lot of glamour, a lot of attention in in those teams, and those markets. I mean, those were selected to be both a player and an entertainer if you will, to maximize his brand, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, Pauline, we've been talking about this since the whole Deshaun Watson thing as well, but right now there is a concerted effort in the National Football League for franchise quarterbacks to have more say in the organization. You can see this happening. I Would you ever have banked on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks having this kind of supposed rift? between them and the front, I, I would have never even imagined that, Paul. I know that he's he's kind of complained in the past a little bit in regard to his offensive line, and rightfully so. But nothing like saying, I, I would accept a trade. Here are the four teams I would accept a trade to. And not that I want to be traded, but here's the four teams that I, I, I never in a million years thought we'd get to this point. And I can also say this, Paulie, there's no way it's going to happen. Right, John Schneider? There's no way you're going to trade Russell Wilson. Well, first off,
3: if they do, it's a $39 million cap hit. Can I tell
0: you, it's a party in the NFC West, too?
3: I mean, it wouldn't seem feasible, but in this story, they talk about Russell Wilson, and we all saw it during the Super Bowl sitting in the owner's, in the commissioner's box, (laughs) and, and supposedly he was seething. According to the stories, he's watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes play in the Super Bowl. You realize the Seahawks haven't been to the NFC Championship game since 2014. Wow. The Cardinals went in 15, obviously. So he wants his ideas and his suggestions heeded to when it comes to scheme and personnel. And the story details how John Schneider and Pete Carroll have, quote, dismissed him and his input. And so, yeah, there's a big rift right now between Russell Wilson and and the team, did you uh, see what Buda
0: tweeted out today? Yes. Uh-oh,
3: they better hope they don't do it.
0: I'll believe it when I see it, Paul.
3: By the way, how about a happy birthday to our guy, Rolando Cantu, former
0: Ooh, Cardinal, Spanish Rolando. broadcaster.
3: He is 40. I'm a man. I'm 40 today, Rolando <laughs> Cantu. How about that?
0: Hey, by the way, if you see him in an alley, go the other way, big guys.
3: <laughs> Special thanks, Jim O'Hunter, and Cody Fitcher, Darren Irvin. This has been the Big Red
1: Rage.